0: welcome back friends thanks for joining me today on this beautiful day this is the how to life podcast my name is dr laura jaggett and today's topic is apropos as life is returning to normal and people are venturing out again oh and by the way this is episode 56 today's topic is about the skills you learn when you travel Remember that, travel? We're going to get back out there again soon. And if you are as excited as I am to do so, there is a lot to be gained by world travel. It's a unique education that can provide you with skills that will serve you for life. We're going to talk about some of those skills today. My guest is Kristen Addis. Kristen is the founder of the blog Be My Travel Muse, which is the most read female travel blog in the world. She has a unique story of how this came about, starting with a one-way ticket to Bangkok. She's going to be talking about how she did it and what she has learned as a result and how she puts that education to use every day in her now very successful business. Hello, Kristen Addis. Welcome to the How to Life podcast. Thanks so much for being on today.
1: Yeah, it's an honor to be here.
0: It's going to be a great topic not only is it about travel, but it's about the skills you learn when you travel. And before I get going, would you please take a moment to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you?
1: Yeah. So I'm Kristen. I run BeMyTravelMuse.com, which is one of the most read travel blogs in the world. I focus on solo female travel and I've been to over 60 countries by myself. So I'm all about encouraging everyone, but especially women to do the same.
0: The way you got there, there's an incredible story that goes with it. And I'm going to uh, post links. You can read about how Be My Travel Muse was created, how Kristen got to that point. Tell us a little bit about where you were before you made the decision to start traveling.
1: Sure. Well, I went straight from high school into university like most young Americans do. And then I took a year abroad in Taiwan, which I think was so key for me deciding later on that I would go and travel in Asia, which is where my big trip started and where the blog was born. But I came back from that and went straight into a corporate job in mergers and acquisitions. And, um, I felt kind of like adulthood was this big lie that was forced on me, and I didn't realize what I was getting into, honestly.
0: How did you feel at the very beginning of that corporate job? First of all, you you loved your Taiwan experience. At that time, Is did you make the realization, or was there some sort of whisper that said, hey, this is what I want to do?
1: I didn't realize back then that it was possible to just travel long-term without a trust fund. I didn't think that anyone did that. And then I started my job and then that, that was back in 2008. And then sometime around 2012, I started to realize that there were travel blogs out there and that a lot of them were people who were traveling pretty cheaply. And I started to realize that, oh, there's other options here. I, could, I don't have to only do this corporate thing. There are other things that I can do. I can work online. And that was a big moment.
0: In your story, you describe how you bought a one-way ticket to Bangkok. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. So I (laughs) I bought the one-way ticket, Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. nothing but a carry-on, and I was going alone.
0: So there must have been some pretty strong feelings that propelled you to make that decision. What were you feeling that led to that decision?
1: So many things simultaneously. One was I want to live out this dream of trying to be a travel writer. I'd always loved creative endeavors so much more than you know the more, (laughs) I guess, analytical ones like I was doing for a living. And I just felt like if I didn't give that a shot, if I didn't at least try, then I was wasting my one shot. And so I thought, you know what, I can just go out there and I can try it. And if it doesn't work out, at least I tried. But if I don't ever even give it the effort, then what's this all for? And It was also really scary because I had a very well paying job and it took very good care of me. I lived in Newport Beach in California. It's a beautiful spot. And I just remember someone being like, Why would you leave this? You have everything figured out. I had a six figure job when I was 24. It was miserable, though. I didn't like it.
0: So that was a question I wanted to ask you Was there fear about leaving that job and also going off to Bangkok with a one way ticket? Was that a big fear?
1: Oh, I agonized over this for a good year before finally doing it. So to anyone in that situation, I would advise two things. Don't suffer in silence because I just thought everyone would try to talk me out of it. I thought there was no way that anyone would tell me that that was a good idea. But when I finally did tell my friends and family later, I realized that most of them were really excited for me and they would have been supportive. So it could have been easier (laughs) if I had decided to maybe share how I was feeling with other people. Mm -hmm. And then the other big thing was, of course, the financial piece. People call it the golden handcuffs where you have a dream and of course you want to try it, but you're worried about stability. So I didn't quit until I had savings and I felt secure enough to give it a try.
0: I want to go back to the point that you said, suffering in silence. So you were weighing this in your own head. There are situations, and perhaps you have experienced this, I know I have, where I started expressing some desires or ideas I had, and they were immediately shut down, and I, I got talked out of it. But for, for me, and maybe this was for you, perhaps you had been thinking about this for such a long time that you were pretty solid before you started expressing it, so that if you did encounter a naysayer, you were so sure about it for yourself that it didn't throw you off too much.
1: Yeah, that was exactly my approach. But now what I'm realizing is that I just have to decide whose opinion really matters. And if they are bringing real concerns to me, real things that I haven't thought about yet, and that I do need to be thinking about, that's absolutely worth listening to. But, you know, the people outside of that core group, if they express an opinion, it doesn't have to matter to me.
0: I take it you've done some research about that. You didn't just jump out of a plane without a parachute. You had some sort of research or plan?
1: Yeah, the funny thing was my plan was to have no plans. So I I, I just stalked other travel blogs for about two months, almost full time between quitting my job and taking off for this big trip. And I just wanted to see how they were doing it um, so that I could maybe use some of what I learned to build my own travel blog, which was a great idea. But at the same time, these people all shared exactly how they planned their big trips. And it made me realize that for me, the best thing I could possibly do was just buy that one-way ticket, have nothing booked, and just see where everything took me. Because one of the biggest regrets people seemed to have was planning things too much. So although I did so much research, I did end up going without anything booked.
0: But you had research. And I think that's important too. I don't think it would be wise to say, yeah, just quit your six-figure job and then see What happens? And that's a very important step to take. Absolutely. And one of the things that you had talked with me about, and that's the topic of this podcast, are the problem-solving skills that you acquire from solo travel.
1: I think it builds up self-efficacy unlike anything else I've tried. And that's the really powerful thing about it. If, uh, If something goes wrong, there's just no point in crying over spilled milk, you just know that you have to get straight to problem solving. And so I found it's made me really quick at making a plan. And that's an amazing life skill. Another thing, it's made me comfortable in so many situations where I just will confidently go talk to someone, find things out, and um, just get straight to making it work again. And then later on, when you look back on that, you feel so much accomplishment because you and you alone did it. And then there's the good times too. You can be totally selfish, which I think is so underrated because everyone deserves to have the opportunity to just have an adventure where you call all the shots. You form all of your own opinions. You make all of the decisions on if you're going to go or if you're going to stay or whatever it is you want to do. It's all up to you. And um, it's really empowering.
0: And it teaches you that if something goes right, you can look at it and say, hey, I did that. I set it all up and it went exactly the way I wanted it to. And if something goes wrong, you can take responsibility for that, too, rather than blaming something else. It really gives you that sense of empowerment and that sense of autonomy.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also helpful to realize that this may be the trip of a lifetime and maybe you've planned for it for for a long time, but like nothing is perfect all the time and things are going to go wrong. And no matter what, you've just kind of got to (laughs) surf.
0: Yeah. So I want to kind of address some of the problem solving skills that you can learn while you're traveling. And one of them would be time management. How does travel help you acquire time management skills?
1: Well, certain things you've really got to be on time for, like flights, buses, anything with a ticket involved. And so you you learn that you can't run late. And then I think in terms of time management, it goes the other direction too. Like it's okay to take a long break and to spend one day just totally on the beach without internet and just hanging out with people being in the moment. So I think it's twofold in that way. You learn that time can really expand and contract depending on what you're doing with it.
0: What about adaptability?
1: I think, you know, people are really scared that they're going to land in a place and not know the language and just feel like they're in a strange land. But I think people are incredibly adaptable so much more than they think. And I remember my second year of traveling, I was in Cambodia and I spent about a month without ever taking a hot shower. Even now that seems weird. But at the time I was so happy to be there and to just be enjoying it and to be in person in the moment that that was just a tiny detail. It didn't matter.
0: Your happiness about being there overrode the fact that you didn't have hot water for a little while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would do it all again.
0: All right. Teamwork. Teamwork is another skill you can learn from solo travel how did you learn teamwork?
1: Well, the funny thing is solo traveling is not that lonely. You're meeting people constantly and a plan can come together so quickly. And before you know it, you're like in this crew and you're going and doing something cool. It's having a little adventure. And then I think another big realization of mine was that I didn't have to stick around or do things that I didn't feel like doing. I could just go off and do my own thing. So it's it's great that you can like become part of a team and then just as quickly break off.
0: And there's no hard feelings. That brings us to communication to have the confidence to say, All right, I'm done now, and to communicate that without hurting someone's feelings. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, the first time that happened was really empowering. I'd been hanging out with someone I met in a hostel for most of the day, and then he had a group that he'd been traveling with for a long time, and they were just really insistent that they wait to eat until they were all together. But he and I were absolutely starving. (laughs) So he waited with all of them. And I just had this light bulb moment like, oh, I don't have to do this. I can eat right now if I want to. So (laughs) it seems really small, but it was a significant moment because I was like, hey, you know, I'm really hungry. I'm tired. I'm going to go do my own thing now. And he was like, okay, cool. And it was that easy and just not making a big deal out of it and honoring what I needed.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't honor what they need for gosh, so many reasons. They don't want people to be mad at them or they don't want people to think less of them. And it always comes down to others thinking something about you. But if you just state what you need and you don't even really have to justify it, you learn how to create these boundaries and communicate it in a way that nobody gets their feathers ruffled.
1: Yeah, and it's good for them too to have that open communication. And I will say I've gotten so much more assertive since I started traveling alone. So when I need to make a request, I make it. And when I have something that I need to communicate, I don't hold back as much as I used to.
0: And that brings me to the next skill of leadership because you can create boundaries, you can state what you need or what needs to be done and take a team in a direction in a nice way, which is what you learned. Tell us a little more about that.
1: Yeah, I think that my solo travel experience, I can apply very much to what I'm doing now for a living with the blog. I have a a team and we have some full timers as well, and we're all working on this central goal. And um, I think part of leadership is really empowering the people who you're working with to bring their ideas to you, to celebrate when they innovate and to reward them for that. And so that they really feel like they're working on this central goal as well.
0: Another skill you have to learn, which I got from one of your interviews that you did, was networking skills. How do you network in travel?
1: For me, in a professional sense, uh, I wanted to network with other travel bloggers. So if I noticed we were in the same place, I would reach out and I met up with a lot of people early on that day, Um, conferences, but it's another thing where it's just hey, you don't know if if someone has interest or if they're free to hang out with you or where it could go unless you ask. So don't fear the rejection so much that you don't ask.
0: Another thing you can do is if you've come across a good place to stay or people you've met, you connect them with other people and they do the same for you. And so I think you said you got a room in Berlin through some other contact you made on one of your travels. That's networking. Oh yeah,
1: it's been the connections that I've built all over the world that really helped me keep going. I mean, I w- this was not a business I was making any money off of <laughs> for the first few years, and so to be able to know people in places and to be able to use those connections, it's huge.
0: Now I want to talk about something that I think holds a lot of people back, and that is fear or fear of their personal safety and awareness. How do you, as a solo traveler? Heighten or enhance your awareness of your surroundings and tune into the vibes that people are getting off. How do you learn and maximize those senses?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually easier when you're by yourself because you're taking everything in and you don't have any distractions. Um, I wouldn't wear headphones in a big city where I didn't know what was you know going on around me, and uh, I think putting your phone down and enjoying everything. It's not really rocket science saying safe abroad. It's very similar to what you do at home to stay alive.
0: Do you find you have to focus a little bit more, which is also a skill?
1: Yeah, I think in some situations, it's more important to be hyper aware. And in others, you can be a little bit more laid back and relaxed. And for me, it's usually a big city versus somewhere rural. And um, I feel even more relaxed abroad in a lot of countries.
0: How do you deal with the language barriers?
1: People are really surprised that it's rarely a problem, actually. (laughs) you know, A lot of people who work in tourism do speak English because it's good for them if they can communicate with people. And being native English speakers, we really hit the jackpot. People around the world, many of them have learned English. So other travelers you meet probably speak English. Um, It it does, of course, depend on the part of the world that you're in. For example, in, in Central and South America, it's a great idea to learn some Spanish. But in Southeast Asia, I was fine with English. It was really no problem. You can point and shrug. There is so much in context as well. And now there's even apps that you can use to translate with your smartphone. That was not as available when I was first starting out. But even back then, it, it really wasn't that big of a problem.
0: Even in the rural, like countrysides or small towns, you still managed to get by?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to a guest house in this area, again, chances are good that at least someone there probably speaks English because most of the tourists they're receiving don't speak Thai or Khmer (laughs) or a lot of these languages. And there's just so much I've been able to to do with using a calculator to haggle or just, you know, pointing at something I wanted. It's really not that hard to get your point across.
0: How has solo travel heightened your intuition? Because I imagine you have to have a little bit, you had to have intuition to know you were going, leaving your corporate job to go. And you had to sort of tune into that along the way for anything you encountered on those travels. How have you tuned into that? How have you improved that area? And how important is it to uh, problem solving skills?
1: So I would say there's a big difference between fear and your gut instinct. Fear grows and builds and can really cloud your ability to do anything. And a gut reaction to me anyway, is that little feeling you get that little voice inside of you that says yes or no, the moment something is presented to you. So if something genuinely makes you uncomfortable, so that's a no, then if in the moment your your gut feeling is like, eh, I don't want to do that, then the answer is no. But quite often, I was surprised to find that my gut instinct was yes. And so I said yes to almost everything, as long as that gut instinct didn't say no. And it resulted in some amazing experiences and stories.
0: It takes a little time to learn to trust this, especially if you never made decisions on your own. You know, there are people who have had parents that have made all their decisions. So their ability to make decisions for themselves is underdeveloped. Little situations like this, you say, yes, it turns out all right. You have a great experience. And now you have more evidence that, okay, I trusted that feeling and it worked out. You get more and more confidence and then you end up getting more and more great experiences just like you have had.
1: Yeah. And what you can also do is look back on situations where you ended up doing something, maybe even socially, or maybe from a peer pressure standpoint where your gut said no, but you did it anyway and it didn't turn out right. And so you can examine what that was and how you might have done that differently and then use that for your future decision-making.
0: Are there any other skills that you learned as a result of your travel that we didn't talk about?
1: I think that you learn how to talk to anyone and that you really come to respect that just because someone's culture or background or race is different than yours, it's not... That they're different from you like all humans fundamentally want the exact same thing we're all going for i just want to provide for my family i just want to enjoy my life i just want to feel safe it's really amazing how our differences that are often so starkly highlighted in media or whatever <laughs> are not really there they're kind of phantom things like a human being is a human being yeah. so you traveled for how many years Going on eight and a half now, I guess you could say. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How long have you been in the States and what's your travel schedule now?
1: Now I have usually a week or two out of every month that I go do something um, outside of where I live. So that could even be as close as the next state over or a new country. But in 2019, I was traveling pretty much 75% of the year. When I first started back in 2012, i had quit my job. I bought that one way ticket. I went for 10 months and then I came home for the summer and then I left again for another 10 months. So I would do bigger chunks where I was just a complete nomad and that was really fun. But now it's a little bit more of a settled life where I go take trips and then I come back home.
0: How have the skills that you've learned from your travel years apply in your current business?
1: Oh, it's just all been about confidence and intuition. And I would not be doing this if I hadn't decided to buy that one-way ticket and go for it. I would have had no idea that I was capable of just getting what I wanted out of life. And I think when you really, really want something and you're so dedicated and you enjoy it, those are the ingredients.
0: What tips would you give to someone who wants to have this experience of travel? What would you say to them before they begin out on this journey?
1: Make sure that you save up adequately and that you plan adequately. So if you have a smaller budget, maybe don't pick the most expensive countries out there. Maybe pick a place where your money will take you a little bit farther. If you do have parents who are going to push back on that, best thing you can do is just show them how much you've planned and that you've done your homework and that you can be trusted to do this and to trust yourself as well. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your life. So if you've saved up and you want to go and you want to do it, then you should.
0: You have a lot of articles on your blog about these very topics and advice on how to prepare for something like this. Give us all the information on how we can find you and your blog.
1: Yeah, I can take you through absolutely every step of the process. Back when I started, this didn't really exist. So I made the resource (laughs) that anyone who wants to travel could use to just get out there. So it's all on be my travel Just look around on there. There's a whole section for solo female travel. So it'll take you through the whole process step by step. I'm also on Instagram and YouTube under be my travel muse. Is there anything else you're doing? I do have a clothing line as well. It's all super soft stuff. It's sustainable. It's uh, called wander babe clothing.
0: Does it pack easily?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And the the designs are really fun. Take a look at them.
0: Kristen Addis, thank you very much for this information. Everybody go out there and live a little. There's plenty of time to work. You have to take time for yourself to develop these skills and to learn who you are.
1: Thanks, Kristen. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to start traveling again. Who's with me? If you haven't done it, travel provides an education that you can't get anywhere else. Those who have done it, you know what I'm talking about. So go, get started just for the fun of it. The education part is just a wonderful byproduct. You can find out more about Kristen and Be My Travel Muse on her website, BeMyTravelMuse.com, her Instagram account and YouTube channel of the same name. And all of her contact information will be in the show notes at HowToLife.com slash 056. If you feel the travel juice is flowing, I have some other podcast recommendations that you can listen to. Episode 33 is about travel and language, culture and people, and how that can enhance your life. Ray Blakeney, the founder of the language app and podcast Live Lingua, makes the case for that. Episode 34 is how to pack lighter and smarter so that you can fully enjoy your travel experience. My friend Brooke Shuneman has a whole business that teaches people how to minimize what to bring to maximize the experience. And in episode 38, Colin Clapp talks a bit about his family life as location-independent world schoolers. I will link these episodes in the show notes as well. Make sure you follow all of these wonderful people on the socials. And please follow me too, you can find me on Instagram at Laura Jaggett underscore How To Life and Facebook at Laura Jaggett. Check out all the mominars I have on my YouTube channel How To Life, and subscribe as I put out new content every week. And please subscribe to this podcast as well. We are fifty-six episodes into the How To Life podcast, and if you're feeling it, I would love it if you would please leave a five-star rating before you go. And if you're really feeling it, if you could leave a positive review, that would be absolutely wonderful. That's all for today, friends. Start looking at your future travel plans. It doesn't cost anything to dream. And that's how you create your future. I want to thank you for spending this time with me. I'll meet you here again next week. Until then, have a beautiful day and a fantastic week. Be well and have fun. You got this.